Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 1. I want to continue with this that we've been on. Name above all names. Uh, talking about the name of Jesus. There are things that you have to consistently go back and revisit. Uh, the name of Jesus is the single most important subject that we could teach on as believers. And uh, uh, very often you don't hear a lot taught about it. And But it's, it's, it's one of those subjects that we have to consistently get a grasp on. It's like righteousness. You know, as long as I've known that I'm righteous, I still have to at times go back and remind myself I'm the righteousness of God in Christ to keep myself stirred up about it. And so here in Luke chapter 1 and verse 31, this scripture is usually read around Christmas, but notice it says, And behold, the angel talking to Mary, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Savior, Jesus. When Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph were instructed as to what his name would be. This is important because this means God had a specific name reserved for his son, Jesus. Now, of course, in the Hebrew, Yeshua, Joshua. But the point is, he had a specific name reserved for him. It wasn't something random. It was a specific name. In Hebrews 1, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. <clears throat> it says, God, who at sundry times and in different manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as or because he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Well, their name, here it says angels, it's sons of God. All right, sons of God. But a son of God is not a name. It's a title. I have two sons, that's their title. 
Those are Philip's sons. But my sons have a name. Do you see this? So Jesus was the Son of God, but that was his title, not his name. Now the reason this is important, the more excellent name he received is Jesus. He hath obtained, notice, by inheritance, a more excellent name than they. Hallelujah. David Ingalls used to sing the song about the name of Jesus, and he would always start it off with, with reciting. He would say, Jesus obtained his name three ways, and the first one is by inheritance. The name of Jesus was his inheritance. And notice it says it's a more excellent name. Now, there are people that teach that, that uh, 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 the name that he received is the Hebrew name for God. I don't know that that can be proven here. But if so, that's great. Uh, I'm not taking away from that. But the more excellent name that we see here is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. In Philippians 2. And I really encourage you, if, if there's two books that, that you could get a hold of that really talk about the name of Jesus, one is by E.W. Kenyon called The Wonderful Name of Jesus. That, that's a powerful book on the name of Jesus. And then, of course, uh, Brother Hagen has a book called Just the Name of Jesus. And uh, I think they just put out the legacy edition of that book. It's tremendous as well. But uh, notice here in Philippians 2 and verse 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess, we could say this, at the name of Jesus, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Amplified Bible says, bestowed on him the name. The RSV says, bestowed on him the name. Now again, this shows us that there was a name which was known in heaven, yet not known anywhere else. The name, the name, bestowed on him the name. Jesus was a revelation of the Father. Jesus had said to the, the disciples, they said, uh, Master, show us the Father and it suffices us. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been such a long time with you that you don't know me? When you have seen me, you've seen the Father. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, I grew up classic Pentecostal, and the vein of Pentecostalism that I grew up in was oneness Pentecostal. I grew up a oneness Pentecostal. 
Now, I don't agree with all of that theology. I'm thankful for my upbringing. But uh, uh, the argument that they always made was, you know, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. Well, there is one God. I mean, the Bible's very plain about that. Jesus said there's one God. But we've, we've, we've went through this in the last two Sunday mornings. There is one God, but He is eternally manifest in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's no argument about that. It's, 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 it's plain Bible doctrine. But, so the, the point that I want to make is Jesus was the revelation of the Father to everybody that he encountered. When you saw Jesus, you saw the Father. What he did, what he said, the way he responded to people, amen. When Jesus would respond with compassion, it was the Father responding with compassion. Now, he did not have to imitate God. Why? He was God. He was God. God in the flesh. The Bible says in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you will call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God with us. Notice what it didn't say. Someone like God. God with us. So God was born in Bethlehem on that night. God came into the earth. Hallelujah. Not an imitation of God, not a symbol of God, not someone who resembled God, God. Amen. Do, do you see this? Hallelujah. He was the God-man. There are, there are three unfathomables in, in Christian theology. The first one is the virgin birth. The second one is the new creation. And the third one is how Jesus could be all God and all man and all man and all God. People say, how is that unfathomable? Because how can you fathom the virgin birth? Here's a, a Mary that never knew a man, but yet she gives birth to a son, and it's not just a son, it's God. <laughs> right? But the new creation, how, how when you got born again in a matter, ever how long you lived in sin, whether it was a short time or a long time, you were destined for spiritual death and hell, and in a matter of moments, not, not hours, not days, not weeks, in a matter of moments, for some people, split seconds, you were instantly a new creature, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, God's son, God's daughter, God's child, destined for greatness. In a matter of moments. Who can explain that? I can't. Other than to take us to Scripture and tell you it's supernatural. Amen. How could Jesus be all God and yet all man? Hallelujah. He was the God-man. God chose to not just clothe himself in flesh. God chose to become a man. Jesus was not an epiphany. Now, an epif am, am I helping you all with this? An epiphany is what you would see in the Old Testament. When, when, when Abraham looked up from his tent and he saw those three men walking towards him, that was God and two angels. God had, God had clothed himself in flesh 
to appear to Abraham. Why? Because the Bible says no man can look on God and live. So he had to clothe himself in flesh. That was an epiphany, an appearance of God. Jesus was not an epiphany. He was a man that had God in him. Think about this for a moment. On the cross, you know, we, 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 we've sang songs. I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. Well, you dying wouldn't have helped anything. But there are people that identify with the crowd and identify with the Roman soldier. I put the nails in his hand. Who are you supposed to identify with? Jesus. Why? God is in you. Say that out loud. God is in me. Say it one more time. God is in me. That's why I identify with Jesus. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, when were you crucified with Christ? Jesus was only crucified once. When he was on the cross, you were not just on his mind. You were there with him. When he died, you died. When he died to sin, you died to sin. And, and when you came to the revelation of it and you received it, you received your new creature status. You received victory over sin because Jesus overcame sin on the cross. Whew. And when I identify with him and I understand that when I was born again, something more happened than I just got forgiven of my sins and I made my way out of hell. God came to live on the inside of me. I'm anything but normal. I'm anything but ordinary. I am a man full of God. Hallelujah. And when you understand that, effortless change comes into your life. Because I'm full of God. I'm, 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 amen. That's why Paul could tell you and I to imitate God. How can we imitate God? How is that okay? God lives in me. Do, do you see this? So that the importance of understanding that Jesus was not just imitating God. Jesus was not simply uh, acting like God or God uh, in a flesh body in the sense that he just created a body. And, and no, he was 100% man, but 100% God. At the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow in these three worlds. At that name, oh glory, Jesus is Lord of these three worlds. Heaven, earth, and hell. Hallelujah. To the what? To the glory of God the Father. The lordship of Jesus brings glory to the Father. Hallelujah. 
in Ephesians 1. Oh, thank you, Father. And you know, not so much people in our circles, but I hear a lot of talk today about, you know, what the devil's doing. <laughs> well, you know, the devil's doing what he's always done. He hadn't changed. Revelation says that, that he's upping his effort because he knows the time is short. You know, the devil is so prideful he knows his doom is sealed. But he's so arrogant and full of pride that he convinces himself that he can win. Have you ever thought about that? He's so prideful, he thinks he can win. Even though it's sealed. So the devil's doing what he's always done. He's, he's turning the, the heat up but listen, ever how much he turns it up, the name of Jesus still has authority over him. We, because we possess Jesus on the inside, we have perfect right to use that name because he is in us. And when you declare the name of Jesus, the knee of the enemy still has to bow. Amen. You're not trying to run the devil off. You use the name of Jesus and he leaves. Scripture says you resist him. How do you resist him? In the name of Jesus. Peter said steadfast in the faith. The faith of what? The faith in the name of Jesus. And you tell the devil you get out of here in Jesus' name and he goes. Has to. He, he has to. He's hardwired to flee at that name. He doesn't have a choice. Do, do you see that? that? That name is the flea button. Yeah, but I'm struggling with this. Use the name. That's important. Glory to God. Because in those... Heaven responds to the use of the name. Every being in earth responds to the use of the name. Hell responds to the use of the name. Now, when I say hell, understand, those beings that are destined for hell, they've got to respond to that name. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. When, when Jesus would encounter demon-possessed people, and he did quite frequently, he went into the synagogue one day, and that man started screaming, What do we have to do with you, Jesus? Have you come to torment us before the time? Right? Because, because there's a time when they're all going to be put in the lake of fire, and they know that. What did Jesus say? Hold your peace and come out of him. Is that what it says? People say, yeah, but that was Jesus. No, 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 no. That was a believer in the authority they possessed. When you say in the name of Jesus, it's just like the man Jesus saying it. Hallelujah. Go into all the world. In my name, you'll cast out devils. First thing he said. Now that's important. 
Because that shows me authority in that realm. Notice he didn't say argue with them. Counsel them out. Cast them out. Right? The only time you see Jesus ask a question about a demon was when the, the man's son threw himself down on the ground. Jesus said, how long has he been like this? And the father said, from a, from a child. And Jesus saw the people coming, and he went up and told the demon, get out of him in Jesus' name. Well, he didn't use Jesus' name. No, he didn't have to because he was Jesus. But he's showing us how this operates. When you understand the power of the name of Jesus, it, it doesn't level the playing field. It puts you on a level so high above the enemy and everything that he can do, it's impossible for him to win. The thing I see by studying people that went before us, people like, you know, we'll talk very often about Wigglesworth and John Lake and, and uh, uh, you know, all of these men of God that went before, even Brother Hagin and, 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 and people that are, are, are more in our time. They had a strong grasp on the use of the name. Because it carries that authority. Hallelujah. In Ephesians 1 and verse 17, Paul is praying and he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of, of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but in the world that's to come, and has put all things under his feet, and give him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Hallelujah. So Paul's praying that we would gain insight into our inheritance. And that we would see that not only has Jesus been given a name above every name, he has been seated and given the place of ultimate authority. The Amplified Bible says every title that can be conferred. Now, notice something here. Satan is called the God of this world. That's his title. That's what he's called. I have a series called The God of This World. Extensive teaching on the devil and our victory over him. But he's called the God of his world. This, that is his title. So Jesus has a name not only above his name, but above his title. He doesn't just have a name above his name. He's got a name above his title. That's important. 
Why? Because Jesus obtained complete victory over the devil. And so one translation says, over every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. And he has been gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised. Ever. So, name any title the enemy has. Murderer, thief, liar. Right? Prince of this world. The old dragon. Slewfoot. The old serpent. All names in the Bible. Jesus has authority over every one of those titles. It took thousands of years of bad teaching in the church to convince us that the devil could do things we couldn't stop. Hallelujah. And Paul says, I want you to see your inheritance here. God did this for the benefit of the church. He has given Jesus a name. Look at Colossians 2. We'll see something. He's given Jesus a name. Colossians 2 and verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus has been given a name, the fullness of the Godhead. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead. And he has given that to the church. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in you. Not part, the fullness. If Jesus dwells in you, the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in you. All the power in the Godhead dwells on the inside of you. And it is unleashed at the name of Jesus. When you see the miracles Jesus did, when Jesus was tempted, and the devil said, if you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. He could have. Very easily. Why? The power of the Godhead dwelled in him. The creative power of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus. But Jesus will never do anything just to prove something to the devil. Amen. You don't have to try to prove to the devil you have authority. Authority is exercised through faith. And, and believers, many believers are trying to prove to the devil that they have authority. That's not your job. Your job is to exercise your authority and use your faith and believe it happened. I may have told you this story, but I'll tell you again. I've got a good friend named Lawrence Banda from Nigeria. And uh, uh, he, had gotten a, he had taken Brother Hagen's Rhema Bible training course uh, correspondence. Now, it's not the same as, as the Bible college, but it's a good foundation. And he found out about his authority. Because in, in that Bible, in that uh, correspondence course, you get the book, The Believer's Authority. And he found out about his authority. And a group of preachers got with him one day, and they said, we're going to go over to this man's house and cast the devil out of him. He's demon-possessed. And so they went over, and they were preparing. Man, they went in, the guy was there, and these preachers started taking off their jacket and rolling up their sleeves, and, and they're ready for a fight. We're going to be here all night. Lawrence is very soft-spoken. I've never heard him raise his voice. Very soft-spoken. 
And uh, he talks like this right here. And he would come to me and he'd say, uh, how are you doing, Phil? Let's uh, pray. And so we would pray. And, uh, you know, if you got above a whisper, you drowned him out. But that's how he would do. And he said, uh, I went to this man and I said, uh, in the name of Jesus, be delivered and devil come out of him. And he said, there was no change in the man. And, the and, he, and he told the pastors, he said, well, I'll, I'll see you later. I'm, I'm going. I have things to do. They said, aren't you going to stay with us and get, get him delivered? He said, he's delivered. I told him to leave. He's gone. Well, though, he said, I went home and ate dinner and went to sleep and slept well. And he said, I got up the next morning. I was crossing the street, and I saw all these pastors. They were bloodshot eyes, tired, had not slept all night. And they came to me and they said, well, we didn't get him delivered. He said, oh, he's delivered because I told the devil to go. You know, the next day, that guy got totally free. Now, I say that he didn't get totally free the next day. He got free the moment Lawrence told that devil to leave. But he had tapped into something. If I tell something to change in Jesus' name, the fullness of the Godhead just spoke. It's going to change. You know, when God spoke, we say spoke the worlds into existence, think about this for a moment. And I want to explain this to you this way. Had there been a delay, God would not have doubted His word. Because He said it. Now, there wasn't a delay... God said, light be, and light was. When God says something to you, and he has every promise in the book, God considers it fulfilled. That's why you can attach faith to it and wrap faith around it. In God's mind and God's thinking, it's already done because the price has been paid. I got an email today, and... Uh, 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 an, an email, and a person had sent me an email. Well, it was my wife. And uh, she said, what do you think about these? And she'd bought me like four suits. I said, ah, I, I think that's great. Right? It's a good email. But here, here's the thing. I saw on each one of them, paid, 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 paid. You know what I'm doing now? Expecting. Come on, Amazon. Expecting. Why? It's paid for. Do I have a right to expect that suit? What would you think after telling you that story if I came up to you after church and said, boy, I hope they show up. I hope they come in. Chris, I really, I, that would be really nice. And man, I really want, right? No, you would say, well, pastor, your wife paid for them. Right? Is, let's use this scripture. Philippians 4.19. Is that paid for? My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Is that paid for? So God considers every one of your need supplied. Because the price has been paid. If I learn to use the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, every need is met. And supplied in Jesus' name. Amen. And then what do you do? Walk off. Yeah. 
Is it coming? Yes, it's coming. Why? You use the name. It's got to come. Is lack a title or a name? It is. Is there a name above it? Yes. How, how do I know that? Because lack produces a certain power over individuals. Have you ever had lack exert its power over you? But the name of Jesus, we just read it, is above every power. Any power that can be exerted over you, the name of Jesus is above it. Amen. And when you enter into that and you exercise your faith in that, and here's how you have to do it. You just have to declare in the name of Jesus this is done and walk away from it. Hallelujah. When, when Jesus, Mark chapter, what, Mark chapter 11, verse 12, 13, 14, it says that Jesus saw that fig tree. He was hungry. So think about this. We don't think about Jesus having a need, but he was hungry, so he needed something to eat. Right? And he came to that tree, and that tree looked like it should have been producing figs. And he said there was no figs on it. Jesus didn't get mad at the tree and have a Jesus fit. And just cursed the tree because he was mad. He didn't get mad. Here's a chance to use an example. Remember what he said? No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And he walked off. Now he didn't have to use the name of Jesus because he's Jesus. But the principle is the same for us. Is Jesus in us? Yes. We're operating in the power of attorney. Matthew says that tree withered presently. All right? Mark says they went to the city, spent the night, and came back the next day, and they saw the tree withered away, and they brought it to his attention and said, the tree that you cursed is withered. And Jesus said, have faith in God, for truly I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, and be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Amen. Amen. Now, how am I going to have whatever I say? Putting faith that when I declare something in the name of Jesus, it's going to happen. The principle is, if you curse this thing in my name, walk off and you'll see it die. <laughs> Tell it to come to you in my name and it comes. Am I, am I helping you? Peter! Get in your boat. Go let down your net for a drop, for a catch. We've toiled all night and have caught nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the net. Right? And it said, when he had thus done, he enclosed such a great number of fish that the net began to break, and he called for his companions to come help him, and they helped him, and both boats started sinking. What, what's the issue there? We, we teach on that and say, just do what he says. That's exactly right. Put faith in what he said. In my name, you'll cast out devils. In my name, you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, just go use the name and walk off and see it change. Amen. Do you see that? 
he, 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 he raises from, he rose from the dead and he's walking along the, the, the Galilee there in Capernaum and he looks out there and there's his disciples in the boat. Children, do you have any meat? Nope, we've worked all night and caught nothing. Cast the net on the other side. Right? And immediately they got 152 fish. And, and they're lightning quick mind. Oh, it's the Lord. <laughs> right? But now, now look, what did they do? Just what he said. Just put, how does that work? There's no fish on this side of the boat, but they're all over on this side of the boat. Tell it to come to you in the name of Jesus. And even though you've been working over here and nothing has changed, you told it to come to you in the name of Jesus. It might be over here, but it's somewhere where you told it to show up. When you tell prosperity to come to you in the name of Jesus, it's coming to you in the name of Jesus. When you tell health and salvation to come to your family in the name of Jesus, it's coming to your family in the name of Jesus. All you got to do is declare it and walk off. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, my Lord. Whew. They just did what he said. Well, he said, whatever you ask in my name, the Father would do it for you. One, trans, one, one, one scripture says, he'll grant it to you. I heard that explained this way, that there's a nuance in the Greek that when it says, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. And, and there's a play on that Greek word, and it, it means, literally means this. Even if he doesn't have it, he'll make it. And people say, well, there's nothing God doesn't have. Well, I know that. But here's the thing. He's saying this is so sure when you use my name that even if by chance the Father wouldn't have what you asked for, because you use the name, he'll create it. Woo! My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Now, that's how you're going to come out of debt. That's how your family's going to be changed. That's how victory is going to come into your life. Because whatever needs to happen, when you use the name of Jesus, it'll be created. Oh, glory be to God. Glory to God. So Paul says that's our inheritance. Uh, uh, Hebrews 2. Am I helping you at all? Thank you, Jesus. You know, that's why the devil hates the name. You know, you, you can pray all you want in the name of God, just don't use the name of Jesus. I mean, that's how the world says, you know, don't, don't, don't pray in the name of Jesus. That causes division. Well, yeah, it causes division. The devil hates it. <laughs> and then, like the devil, don't like Jesus. But we're just going to keep using the name. Because it's our inheritance. The main part of your inheritance should never be minimized. At the top of the list of your inheritance is the name. The name. That's my, that's my right to use that name. 
Right? In uh, Hebrews 2 and 14, notice, For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, now the children is us, we partake in flesh and blood. He also, Jesus, likewise took part of the same flesh and blood for a reason, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. That, 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 that's, that's a wonderful word there, accuser, slanderer. But notice, he destroyed him. Destroyed him. The Rotherham translation says that he might paralyze him that held the dominion of death. That is the devil. The Roos Bible says render inoperative. Now words mean what they mean. At the cross, did he accomplish everything scripture says he did? Then the devil's been rendered inoperative. Or uh, paralyzed. He exists, but with no ability to overcome us. Why? We have the name. Do you see that? The name of Jesus on the lips of the believer contains and exercises the same power the man Jesus operated in. When you say Jesus, in Jesus' name, it's just like Jesus is there. Because he is there by virtue of power of attorney. He's there in the room. Because you have power of attorney to use his name. But notice that. The devil is paralyzed. The devil is rendered inoperative. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time teaching on this because this is a whole other teaching. But that's why the enemy fights your mind so much. That's why he works in the thought realm. Because he's got to convince you through cunning and through satanic wisdom that you don't have what Jesus says you have. And that's why his game is in the mind. But when you just keep pulling him over into the arena of faith, and you keep pulling him over into the arena where you're using the name of Jesus, he's paralyzed, he's inoperative. Doesn't scripture say nothing? Remember we spent, what, 21 weeks, 21 services, talking on our authority, and Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now you go, right? He said, you'll trample on serpents and scorpions, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Right? Look at, at, at Luke 11. Luke 11. Amen. Like the two ladies, they were talking, praying, uh, praying for their, each other's children. And they said, well, it just looks like he's not going to get saved. And the one mother said, use the name, honey, use the name. <laughs> Amen. That's, 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 use the name. Luke chapter 11, verse 21. When a strong man armed keeps his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him, 
and overcome him, he taketh from him all of his armor, wherein he trusted, and divided, divideth his spoils. Now, there's a couple things to see here. Number one in verse 20, Jesus said, if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus says that all it takes to cast out a devil is God's finger. Now to raise Jesus from the dead, he had to bear his arms. God exerted more strength raising Jesus from the dead than he did to create the universe. Because the Bible says he formed the universe with his hands. But it said to raise Jesus from the dead, he had to make bare his arms. And here he says he can cast out devils with his finger. Hallelujah. Now why? Because he says when a strong man is armed, he keeps his goods. When Jesus rose from the dead, he not only had the keys of death and hell, he also took Satan's armor that he trusted in. That's important because that's why Isaiah could say no weapon that's formed against you will prosper. Why? The potency of the devil's tactics and weapons has been taken away. It can't affect you. Notice I didn't say won't. Can't. Cannot. It's impossible. Oh, pastor. No, 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 no. Ephesians 6. Take up the shield of faith wherewith you, wherewith you will quench 95%. No, it says all, doesn't it? It says all of them. Now, if you have a piece of armor that can quench all the flaming missiles of the enemy, how can we say there's anything the devil can do that can advance against us or defeat us? It's, it's impossible. It's inoperable. It's an inoperable, paralyzed devil with no weapons. I mean, think about that for a moment. What would you do if you came in this church and there's a paralyzed guy laying on the floor with no weapons, no armor, no means to hurt you, right? Right? But you see somebody running around. Oh, watch him. Oh, watch him. Oh, watch him. Watch him. Watch him. He's got power. Watch him. I don't know about you, but I might go, uh, guy can't move. I mean, he's sitting there shifting his eyes. But he can't move. You would think that guy's a brick short of a load. There's nothing to be afraid of here. Now, I'm not telling you to take the devil lightly. I'm telling you, don't you ever fear him. Because he doesn't have anything to hurt you with. Nothing to hurt you with. The enemy operates when we allow him to exert authority in our life. And, and, and I do that through opening doors, getting involved in things I shouldn't get involved in, not building my faith in my inheritance. You have to spend ample time reminding yourself what God said belongs to you. And that the access to that, I've got a series out there called uh, Access and Authority Through the Name of Jesus. 
you, you've got to access and operate in your authority where Jesus' name is concerned. Oh, glory to God. So Jesus has defeated death and hell. Jesus stands victorious over three worlds. In Matthew 28, I've got uh, about three more scriptures for you. I can't preach at all in one night. I mean, I like trying. Matthew 28 and 18. And we know this verse, but notice it says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So the authority that Jesus won has been given to us by the use of his name. One of the ways that Jesus got his name was through combat. And when he went into the belly of the earth, when Jesus went into hell to satisfy the claims of justice, he defeated death and hell and the grave. And rose victorious. That authority has been given to us by the use of his name. All he was is in that name and that name is ours. Everything Jesus was is in his name. A name is as powerful as the authority behind it. Right? If you're walking down the street and you hear someone say, stop, you may or may not stop. But if you hear someone say, stop in the name of the law, changes things. Right? Amen. Have you ever seen a child come to attention when mom or dad came in the room and said, hey? Right? Their, their friend or brother or sister might be saying, you better not do that. And mom or dad would come in, mainly dad. Hey, what are you doing? Nothing. Well, you were too. But what happened? Authority showed up. Right? All he was is in that name. Now, when you think about that, even good believing Christians that believe the word of God, they still have this mindset that Jesus did some things we can't do because he was Jesus. Well, pastor, you can't walk on the water just because I don't need to. Where you believe you could, did Jesus do it? I can do anything Jesus did. Hopefully I'll never have to walk on water. Amen. When we, well, look at John 14. John 14. Thank you, Jesus. John 14 and verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Then John 16 and 24. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Now I wrote under both those verses in my Bible, power of attorney. Because this is what we're talking about, power of attorney. 
Jesus did not say, notice, if we believe or if we have faith. Now this is why. What is mine, I don't need faith to use. It's mine. It's mine. I put faith in the name, but I don't have to use faith to use the name. It's mine. Remember I told you about writing a check? If you know the money's in the bank, it takes no faith to write a check. The money's in the bank. If you know all power has been given to that name and that name's been given to you, just use it. Because it'll work. When we were born into the family of God, the right to use the name came with our new birth. It's part of the package. Amen. Hallelujah. There's, there's certain, in, in, in my household, in my family, there are certain rights and privileges that come with the name. Amen. You know, none of my children come to my house and request something out of the refrigerator. They just go get it. Why? They are a steal. Some authority that comes with that name. You got authority over that apple or tomato or whatever they're getting. Right? And it doesn't bother them. They didn't buy that groceries. I did. But in their mind, and it's right, what I bought and paid for, they have a right to. By virtue of what? The name. Amen. Just ask Lily her name. What is your name? Liliana Steele. Right? emphasizes that she'll ask me for something I'll say no why why you want me to do that because I'm your daughter <laughs> well walking through the store you should buy me this why because I'm your daughter it gets me every time she walks out of there with it every time amen you're born into the family of God. Say out loud, I'm in the family of God. I have a right to the name. Amen. So Jesus is with us in the power of his name. His name has taken his place. That's why the scripture says, everything you do, do it in the name. Everywhere you go, do it in the name. When you lay down at night, do it in the name. You get up in the morning, do it in the name. You go to work, do it in the name. Why? Because everywhere the name is, Jesus is. All that Jesus was, his name is. And his name carries the same power he carried. And Jesus exerted that power. And like I said, when he talked about the, the fig tree, he cursed that tree and walked off. Hallelujah. When, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. When Jesus, they came and they told him that Lazarus was sick. You know, there are things that the Bible uh, 
the, the four Gospels, we're told that the four Gospels was a very short uh, commentary on the whole ministry of Jesus. Jesus' earthly ministry was three and a half years. Well, John said that if everything Jesus done did could be put into books, the world couldn't hold the volume. That's what Scripture says, so we believe it. So what we see in the four Gospels, really in the four Gospels, you only see about 19 miracles that Jesus uh, uh, performed, and even those, you, you break them down into repeats, and there's even less. Because many of the four Gospels record the same thing. Now, the reason I'm saying this is, so we're told that it's a very short commentary of the ministry of Jesus Christ. When, when, when we look at that, when Jesus uh, was told that Lazarus was sick, all we see is that it says that he tarried another amount of time. Then he found out that he had died. And he said, let's go and see Lazarus because, you know, he's uh, sleeping. They said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he's doing well. He said, well, he died. But notice, when he got to the town and the sisters came to him, Jesus said something that I think sometimes people overlook. He said, didn't I tell you that your brother would live again? Somewhere in that commentary, we don't see when he told them, but somewhere in between the time they said, he has died to the time he got there. He sent word and said, your brother's going to live again. Is that right? Words seem right? And when he stood at the tomb, what did he say? He, he groaned, and he wasn't groaning out of grief. The, the Greek uses this connotation that it was an exasperation. It was a frustration. When they said, oh, look how he loved him, Jesus went, Oh, where have you laid him? And what did he pray standing at that tomb? He said, Father, I thank you that you, you have heard me. I thank you that you all have always heard me. And I do not pray for my sake. I pray for the sake of those that are listening. But what did he already said? Your brother will live again. So ever how long Jesus spent in between the time they told him Lazarus died and he got there, it was already settled in his mind, Lazarus is going to live again because I said it. And when he got there, notice he didn't pray. Lord, heal him. Lord, raise him. Did he? No, he didn't. He had already settled that. He said, remove the stone. Lazarus, come forth. The only thing there is is to get rid of that stone and come forth. The word, of, the word of God, the name of Jesus was already there. It was already in that tomb. It was already working on the answer. And when Jesus got there, it was just a matter of rolling the stone away and letting the man come out. That's how we operate. If I say it in the name of Jesus then I just go on my way and I might not come back to that thing for two or three days, but it's done. And when I get there, it's just seeing it happen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus.
Well, stand up, everybody. Praise God. I'll preach.